Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. I don't know what you do in hard moments. Um, what are your responses in moments of hard decisions? Um, it's kind of that flight or, or, or fight. And, and some of us, maybe you're given a moments where uh, that is. You just kind of shut down. You close up shop. You hoist the white flag. You go to your room. Maybe you slam the door. I don't know if you do or not. But, um, and and you, just, you just close up. You just kind of insulate yourself from the world and the moments of those hard decisions, hard moments in life. Others of you, my guess is you come out swinging and, um, you're not sure necessarily if it's the right decision or not, but man, you're, you're ready to go to battle. And so, um, we all have those moments where we try to figure out what's our response. Uh, how do we handle tough decisions? How do we respond in this moment? And as we come to Isaiah 31 today, um, the people of God, the people of Judah, the Southern Kingdom have to make that decision about God. Like, what's my response to God? Does he, does he actually care? Right? Does he see? Does he know? Does he hear? Does, is he even good? Right? I mean, these are moments when they have to battle like, is this God really worthy of my trust in this moment? Can I trust this God? And, and, and listen, we all face those moments. So that their, their life and their example today is a reminder to us of really we can either choose to trust in God or we can kind of go our own way. And listen to this. And, and this is maybe why it's so significant. Is that oftentimes in the moments of tough decisions, it's that God maybe doesn't do what you wish he would do as immediately as you wish he would do it, right? I don't know if it's really clearly spoken, but you know how it feels. Like it's just like you're waiting on God. Like God, if you're going to do it, do it already. If you're going to show up, then show up already. If you're going to heal them, then heal them already. If you're going to restore this relationship, then restore it already. God, if you're going to give me wisdom, then give me wisdom. And this is what the text continually reminds us throughout the scriptures is that we must patiently wait upon the Lord. Listen to a couple of these texts. Luke 21, 19. Jesus is speaking about persecution that's going to come upon his people. And he says, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. Paul writes to the church at Rome and says to them in Romans 2 and 7, to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. Hebrews 6 and 12 so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Continually, endurance, patience, even faith is coupled with patience here in Hebrews 6 and 12. The people are called to wait upon God in the moments of hard decisions. In the moments of trying to figure out what you should do or what's the next step, the people are called to wait. And you say, well, listen, what's so significant about me waiting, right? What's so vital about that? Listen to what he says here. Luke 21 and 19 again. Those that endure will gain their lives. He's speaking of eternal life. Listen to this. This is what's so significant. This is a battle for your soul today. As you wonder, is this God good? Does he care? Is he worthy of my trust and my faith in this moment? Look what he says again. Romans 2 and 7. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. And then Hebrews 6 and 12. Through faith and patience, they inherit the promises. So this is a reminder to us today as we look here in Isaiah 31 of the reminder of all of us. We all have a tendency to want to go to our Egypt. 
I don't know where your Egypt is, but it's a place that we often retreat from God and we begin to look other places because after all, if God was going to do something, then surely he would have done it by now. Or listen, one in the hand is worth two in the bush and I don't see God doing anything. So I just got to make some type of decision. So we all have a tendency to grow impatient and to give in and stop believing, stop hoping and stop having faith. And God's word reminds us today continually, as you see those examples there on the screen, and you're going to see in Isaiah 31, this God is worthy of your patience and your hope, even when he is unseen or seems to be not acting. Turn if you would here um, as we look in Isaiah 31. The first unbelief that we have to battle, listen, you have to wage war on these things, is that God's wisdom or understanding is not enough. Literally, that God's word no longer fits my situation, right? I mean, the culture is different. That Bible is so, that is for something in antiquity way back in the past. It no longer is relevant or prevalent enough to fit what my context is now. And so listen, I'm just going to push God's word to the side. And we've got to battle this unbelief that God's wisdom or his understanding is not enough. Listen to what happens to the people of Judah. The text is kind of set here. The setting lays out before us, beginning here in verse 1, where he says this, Woe to those who go down to Egypt. Right, here's the issue. They're going to Egypt. Why are they going to Egypt? Look what he says here, 4. Here's why. 4, here's what they're looking at. They're looking for help and reliance. They're looking for a place to trust. You ever been there? You just need some help. You need someone you can rely upon. You need someone or something you can trust in. But look what they're actually hoping in, they're relying in, they're trusting in. Look what it says here. The text tells us they're going to hope and rely upon horses. They're going to trust in chariots. And listen, he's going to tell us why. Because, right? He's going to use two becauses to help us understand why would anyone do this? Why would they not rely upon God? Look what it says. They trust in chariots because they are many. They trust in these horsemen. Why? Because they are very strong. It's what they can see. Right? I mean, this is enough. It says, listen, I want you to know, you're tempted, guys, to go down to indicates this is what they were already doing. The text is saying, listen, they are already on their way to Egypt. And some of you already are. Or maybe some of you have been there a long time already. And maybe the text today is just whispering, inviting you back to the promised land, back to the Lord. Right. And the question of, look, again, this word of reliance here, they're relying upon horses and chariots and horsemen. Right. I mean, this word reliance is continually been a question throughout Scripture. Right. I mean, Adam and Eve, the, the, the question that Satan, the serpent asked them is, did God really what? Did God really say, like, can you really trust this God? Right. I mean, Abraham, you're going to have a child and 25 years later, there's still no child almost. Right. And the question is, like, can you really hope in a God like that? Does he really know? I mean, is this God really faithful? I mean, Moses, listen, Moses, I'm going to use you to deliver my people out of 400 years of bondage. And I'm going to use you to go and speak. And he's like, hey, listen, I am not a public speaker. In fact, I've always struggled to speak. You need to find somebody else like God. Don't you know me? Don't you know, God, I mean, that I can't do this? And some of you, listen, you're looking more at yourself. You look at yourself and all you see is Egypt. You need to open your eyes and look above to the God who is able. It says here, but again, back in verse one, but he says they do not look or consult this holy one of Israel. They're looking everywhere else. 
They're relying upon Egypt and not God. Why? Because Egypt has what they can see, what seems to make the most sense. And this is why we must battle the fact, listen, when we feel like God doesn't understand or His Word no longer fits my current setting or context of way of life, we have to battle that and confess and know that our God is all-knowing. Listen to what he says. And yet, verse 2 of Isaiah 31, and yet he is, look at what he calls about God here. He says, God is wise. And he brings disaster. He says, listen, there's a God who knows all things. The Egyptian politicians were always saying, listen, guys, we know it. We've got the wisest way. We, we know, look at our pyramids. I mean, look at all these things about our way of life. I mean, you guys can trust and rely upon us. He says, listen, I want you to know this God is actually the one that's wise. And what he does, look at it, he says, he does not call back his words. There's a God who is unchangeable. There's a God who's unchangeable and he is going to rise up and oppose all evildoers, all those who are workers of iniquity. They're involved in sin and rebellion. And listen, Judah needs to look to God for wisdom. And as we think about baby dedication day and how do we as parents, how do we as families, right? How do we have wisdom to raise children, right? As a church, how, what's the wise way? How can we help the children that God is sending us? How can we pour in? I mean, listen, some of you may be saying, well, this doesn't fit with me, right? I don't have kids or maybe I'm not in that setting anymore. Listen, just a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night, I was there and there was a kid and there was an issue across the table. Wasn't my own kids at the moment, but it could have very well been. And this young man looks at me and he says, listen, I'm getting very angry. And I said, bro, I want you to know, man, that there is a power that is so much greater than you. That in this moment, there is the power of God's Holy Spirit that can give you self-control and peace in this moment. It's greater right now than your anger because we all get angry. We all get upset. We want to lash out at that person. And man, this just this peace, this young man just sit back down in this chair and began to eat his food again. That there's a God, listen again, some of you think this, this doesn't fit for me because maybe I'm not in that setting in life or maybe I don't have children or, or whatever. I want you to remind you that God is sending us kids to love on all the time. All the time God is sending this church children to love on. So listen, as we look to God's wisdom, we think about the application of how do we raise children, right? How do we do this? Well, we have to remember that God's ways are often not our ways. Right, We have to confess today that we need to look at God and His Word right? because He is the one that's wise, no matter how prevalent or wise Egypt may seem. right? We have to look to God and His Word and realize that, guess what? Even as we look to God and His Word, we're still not going to get it right every time. So look at this, the text here again, talking about an issue maybe that's really prevalent for us as parents, right? as you deal, discipline. Listen to what the Bible says again, God's wisdom as opposed to the world's wisdom, the world wisdom of Egypt. Proverbs 29 and 15, it says, the rod and reproof give wisdom. Notice that it's not only the rod, right? And again, this is no way in any form of abuse, right? But there's discipline. And maybe as you raise kids, you've learned that some kids respond to this type of discipline. Other kids respond to this, right? It's just kind of parenting wisdom. But you've got to begin to learn that. But the rod, and notice what it says. It's not just simply discipline, right? There's also reproof. That reproof is saying, listen, here's what God's word is. Here's what God's way is. Here's the wisdom of God. And your life isn't matching that. Look what it says it does. The rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. The child that you let go their own way will bring shame to themselves and shame to their family. Further, look what the New Testament has similar words of wisdom. Ephesians 6 and 4 it says, Fathers, 
Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline. And notice that it's not just simply discipline and instruction of the Lord. Why? Because, listen, we can't just simply tell our children, right? And Can I preface this? I think most of you know pretty well. You've seen us and our kids. You know we don't always get this right. So don't. if anybody's sitting there thinking, oh, dude, listen, bro, I see your kids every Sunday after church making laps in here. You, you're right, you're right, right? So uh, this is us trying to do this together, okay? I'm just telling you the, the, the war that we're trying to wage in light of God and His Word, all right? So don't hear this and think, oh, the Jesses have it figured out, right? They need to look in the mirror. No, I, I am totally with you, right? Um, look what he says, though. It's discipline and instruction of the Lord. Why? Because we can't simply just tell our children or whomever, right, the kids that God sends us as a church family as we're raising them, we just can't simply tell them this is wrong, this is wrong. We've also got to tell them this is how you do it right. Right? It's not just discipline, it's also instruction, and it's God's instruction, it's God's wisdom. Right? It's how to get it right. How do I get it right? Not just simply you've got it wrong in this moment, but hey, yeah, this is what God's Word says, your life isn't meeting up to that, but here's how you get it right, baby. This is what it looks like. You say, well, give me an example, right? Um, none of these are from our home, of course, um, but I've heard about people that have shared these stories, so I'm just trying to, to talk about some things. You ever had a moment where one kid's aggravating the other? Yeah, happens, right? Happens here. If you're involved in our children's ministry, student ministry, if you're involved in adult ministry, it still happens. Adults still aggravate each other. Amen? Come on, right? Come on, stay with me, right? But listen, so you have a moment when one kid's aggravating the other. Well, Proverbs 6 and 19 says this. One of the seven things that God hates is those who sow discord among the brothers. Those who stir up trouble. And so we might ask the question, son, do you think right now that, listen, I share that verse, right? And that one of the things God hates is, is those that sow discord among the brothers. Do you, do you think you're honoring God right now by creating this fight, this problem? No. All right, now listen, here's the instruction of the Lord, right? The Lord says that he has not only died to cleanse us of that sin, right? I want, I want to offer grace continually. Point them back to Christ. But I also want them to know that there's a power, the Holy Spirit, that can now come upon you, that can strengthen you. And so often the question is, and again, it depends on the age of your children, but maybe it's something like this. What do you think in that moment would have kept you from causing that fight? What, what fruit of the Spirit might have worked? Self-control? Peace? Kindness? gentleness did you love your neighbor as yourself right so again what are we doing we're disciplined yeah there may be some discipline there may be time away there may be other things right taken away things that happen consequences but i'm also we're also trying to bring that instruction of the lord do you ever have issues like where maybe one kid tattles on the other right do you ever have those moments right where one kid's just coming in telling you constantly hey listen do you know what they did you know what just happened right this may or again may or not happen about five minutes before we left today right um so we, we, we bring back them to that moment, right, and say, listen, some kids run in, they're saying, hey, listen, here's what's happening, right? Again, we're talking about God's wisdom. Does it fit, right? Or do we just rely upon the ways of Egypt? And God's word, right, tells us in Proverbs 17 and 5 that he who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished, right? And so listen, God doesn't delight in the fact that we just get excited when other people get in trouble. And here, here's one, listen, I, if I could share, you'd say, Blake, give me one bit of wisdom of something you've learned, right? You don't get it always right, but just saying... Something you've learned. I would say go take Matthew 18 and apply it to your family. Matthew 18 says that when there's an issue, you go to that person one-to-one. This is for the church. He's speaking of the church here. But it applies to the family. So in that moment, the issue happens. I go back and say, listen, dude, 
in that moment, did you ask them to stop? Right? Whatever they were saying, maybe you're stupid or you're dumb or you're so slow or you're the worst, right? Can you not hit the ball already? I mean, whatever it is, right? I mean, there's just that tearing down of others. Did you ask in that moment, right? Because usually one kid comes running saying, hey, listen, they're out there saying this or doing that. Did you say to them one to one, hey, listen, what you're doing is hurting me or stop doing that or whatever? Did you ask them? That's the one to one. If they don't, then, right, what Jesus says, Matthew 18, 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault, right, between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother, he says. But if he doesn't, then take two or three others. And that's where they bring the parents in. That's where they bring a teacher from the classroom in, right? Others began to step in. Grandparents, if you're, you're there with the kids, you began to step in. And you begin to correct that behavior. You begin to call them, right, of warning them about, hey, listen, that way of life isn't honoring the Lord. Are, are you being kind? And did you hear them ask you to please stop? Right. So, again, Matthew 18 allows us to interact not only in the church with one another, but also in our families of how do we deal with this according to God's wisdom rather than just saying stop tattling. They need to know why they need to stop tattling. Right. Here's how you do it right. Did you talk to them one to one? If not, then you bring the other and the other parent or whomever steps into the situation. So, again, I want us to begin to see why. Can you imagine if you're teaching your kid to tie shoes? And you're like, dude, that's the dumbest way ever. Did you really? Right? Like, mom, did you see like how he's trying to tie shoes right now? Is that not the dumbest way ever? No, what do we do when we try to teach kids how to tie shoes? You get down there with them, don't you? Right? You're like, hey, listen, here it is. Take it around the barn. You got a bunny ear. That's what he's saying. Listen, we've got to train them how to do it right. And Egypt is a reminder to us and the people of Judah are a reminder to us that often we don't think God's word is enough. And so we think we can do it better than God. We've got to hear God's word and follow his example. The second way that we battle unbelief, right, is oftentimes it feels like God's not present or doesn't care. My assumption is, is that many of you have had moments in life where you felt like that, that God's not present or maybe he doesn't. Care. Listen to this again back here in Isaiah 31. He says, the Egyptians are man and not God. They have horses that are flesh and not spirit. All right, he says, listen, I want you to know that the temptation often is, is you look to go what you can see. Right? I mean, this is present here. The Egyptians are here. We can see them. They have horses. They have this great army. Of course, we should rely upon Egypt and not upon God. And that's the issue. Is that although God may be unseen because he is indeed spirit, it does not mean that he is not present in your life. That's why you have to battle this unbelief, because you can have moments where you think if this God actually cared, then why are they still sick? If God actually cared, then he would have already healed this already. If God actually cared or he was actually present, then he would stop this situation, this bully at the school or whatever it is. We've got to battle it. Listen, because, I mean, Satan will war against your mind. He'll say, that God, listen, he's not good. How could a loving God allow that to happen to you? Right? I mean, we've got to wage war. Why? Because the Egyptians are what they can see. They're man, their horses are flesh, and God's spirit. It doesn't seem like God's even here. How do you trust or rely upon a God you can't see? Like, for real, I want you to think about it. Meditate. How are you presently trusting or relying upon a God that you cannot see? So temptation might be for us in the church is, is, well, listen, what we can see are programs. And so let's go after the programs all out. 
We may not see much results from our time of prayer, so let's minimize that or kind of keep that away. And let's do a lot of things that we can say. Let's make sure that we are investing heavenly, or heavily upon the flesh. The reminder is that God is present, and that's how we must battle this. When it feels like God's not present, He doesn't care, we've got to battle. We've got to wage war with what God's Word says about Him. Listen to what the text said. So listen, God's not man, and He's not flesh, He's spirit. That means that this God is everywhere. He's always present. Listen to a couple of scriptures. Proverbs 15 and 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in what? Every place. Jeremiah 23 and 24 says, Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? Declares the Lord. Do I not feel heaven and earth? Some of you may have children or grandchildren that seem like they're hiding in secret places far off. I want you to know that God is right there with them and he sees them. So you keep praying to the unseen God who is present with them. You've got to keep the faith. Psalm 139, 7 through 10 says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Again, remember that God is spirit. Listen, he says, There's nowhere you can go from God's presence. Literally, that's what he says there. Where shall I flee from your presence? If I send to heaven, he says, You're there. If I go to Sheol, the grave, right to the dead, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning, if I go to the uttermost parts of the sea, the farthest beyond, 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 maybe God won't be there. And look what he says. Even there, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. This God is always present. And that's why we have to battle this unbelief because often it feels like He is so far away. This morning in my Kentucky Today news feed, this was what flashed up. And I read that, I don't know if you've heard about it, but yesterday, a man, I think about 21 years old, veered off the road in Wisconsin. There was Girl Scouts picking up trash. Killed three of them and their leader. Another girl right now in this moment, to my understanding, is in very critical condition. Unfortunately, the man, I think, temporarily left the scene and, and later came and turned himself in. And so I thought today, if I was preaching this passage in the midst of Wisconsin, how might I preach it? And I would preach it much more tenderly probably than I have so far. Because my guess is, I don't know about you, but if I'm the parent of one of those girls, I'm asking, where's my almighty God at? If he's so big, like the preacher says, the Bible says, then why didn't he protect my little girl? That's the question I'll be asking. I'm just saying the flesh I would be asking. And, and here's, here's, listen, here's where that leads. It leads to a place, listen, if you begin to, as those questions, again, those are natural questions, but if we don't begin to battle those with what the scripture tells us about this, this God who's always present, who's loving and good, right? You begin to wonder, maybe he's not good. And if he's not good, then he's definitely not worthy of worship. And you begin to slowly fade away. You begin to drift because of the things that happen. And so I want to compel you today, again, like Luke's, like Luke's gospel, like Paul to the church at Rome, like the writer of Hebrews, you must contend, you must battle this unbelief with everything you have. This is your soul. Your very soul is at stake because you're going to be crashed. Your life is going to have overwhelming floods against you. And you're going to be so tempted to say, I don't want anything to do with a God who could not stop that, heal that, fix that. I'm done. You've got to battle that unbelief with the Word of God. And the church has got to surround those that are battling. We cannot let our brothers and sisters do it alone. But this is real stuff. Egypt is man and their horses are flesh and our God is spirit and it often appears as if he is not present or doesn't care and then maybe he's just not good. We've got to battle it. The writer, the prophet Isaiah says later again in Isaiah 40 again as you think about this, how you 
Is this God always present, right? You're battling this. Listen, Isaiah 40, 27. Why do you say my way is hidden from the Lord? Ever felt like that, right? The people did. My way's hidden. God doesn't see, right? I mean, then look at this. Look at this. And my right is disregarded by my God. It's maybe that he does see and maybe he just doesn't care. That's what they're dealing with. This is real people. These are So listen, when you have these moments, I want you to know you're not the first person to ever think that. And listen to how Isaiah responds. Have you not known? Have you not heard the Lord is? Look what he says, how he defines him first. He's the what? Everlasting God. He says this God is always present. He has been forever. He was before time began. He is after time. This God is everlasting. Look what he says secondly about this God. He says, listen, I want you to know who God is. It's the only thing they'll battle this. The only way you battle this unbelief is come to God's word and who he actually is according to his word, not based upon what I feel. Because my feelings will tell me this God doesn't care. He's not good. And he's a long way off. Look what he says. Secondly, he is the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. This God is all powerful. Thirdly, look what he says here. His what? His what? His understanding is unsearchable. This God knows all. He's everlasting, right? He's all-present God. He doesn't grow faint or weary. He's all-powerful, and His understanding is unsearchable. This God knows everything. He says, listen what He does. He gives power to the faint, and to Him who has no might, He increases strength. Even youth fall, right? Or youth faint, or young men grow weary, right? Look, it says, but those who wait, look what He calls them to do, guys. This is what you have to do in those moments of unbelief. You have to wait. Some translations render that hope. You have to wait for who? Oh, man, that's hard. Come on. It may not be hard today because you're not in one of those seasons, but if you're in one of those seasons, it's crazy hard. When I was praying and fasting intensely for my dad to be healed and that didn't work out, I struggled majorly to wait on this God. I don't understand. I don't, God. I don't. I can't figure it out. This is real stuff. Come on. Some of you are in that right now. That storm is raging over your life. And so I, I listen, I want you to say, I don't have every answer for you. I can't explain what happened in Wisconsin yesterday. I can't fix everything in your family. But I know that there is a God. If you will wait for Him, He will renew your strength. You will mount up on wings like eagles. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not be faint. That's who this God is. Despite what your circumstances tell you. And man, it is battling un belief third and last battling unbelief there's moments when it feels like god must not be able to change my circumstances right it just feels like that look what it says here again back in the text we're gonna pick up the pace we can close the egyptians are man and not god and their horses are flesh and not spirit when the lord stretches out his hand look what it says here the helper which is egypt egypt is going to stumble and he who has helped, which is Judah, right? This who's relying upon Egypt will fall and they will all perish together. Right. I mean, the question is probably for the people of Judah, right, is, well, if God was going to do something, he would already done it already. Right. I mean, like, let's be honest, the Assyrians, right, the Assyrian army, this ruthless nation is marching toward you and they're vast and they are nasty. And they I mean, they just absolutely wipe people out. And you have prayed or maybe you've waited. And let's be honest, you've had moments when, guess what? The Assyrians just keep marching your direction. And so it's like, well, i got to do something. So I may be tempted and rather hoping and wait upon God because it doesn't look like he's going to show up. I'm going to go look for Egypt. And he says, listen, I want you to know, beloved, 
you got to battle this. Why? Because this, this is how great your God is. When the Lord stretches out his hand, the helper, the mighty Assyrians, listen, or the mighty Egyptians, they're going to stumble. All this God has to do is just stretch out his hand. And nations are just literally there in dismay. They are absolutely frayed from the battle. This God is so great and so mighty. Listen, you've got to wait, though. You've got to battle the unbelief because it'll feel like he's not coming. He doesn't care. He's not going to show up. But I'm telling you, this God will stretch out his hand. He will be your strength. Listen, what happens here? This is beautiful. Right. Look, at it says verse five of Isaiah 31, like birds hovering. So the Lord of hosts will protect Jerusalem. He will look it's four things. OK, this is this is four things that happens. Look at this. He will protect some translations. Render that defend, deliver it. He will spare and rescue it. The number four is often symbolic to indicate every side in Scripture. It says, listen, I know it feels like that God's not present, but I want you to know this God has got your front. He's got your left. He's got your right and he's got your back. And some of you, you've probably, if you've got, a, you've got your Bible open and, and you're carrying a different translation of the ESV, you're probably seeing a word that I think is significant that wasn't, wasn't rendered that way here by the ESV. But instead of the word spare, some of you saw something else. What do you see? He will what? Pass what? Pass over. Heard it, yeah. He will pass over. When you think about Passover, what do you think about? Egypt, Egypt's right when they were in Egyptian bondage, slavery. Guess what happened? What happened that night that protected them the Passover? It was the blood of some lamb. Right. I mean, they had to wonder, like, will this actually protect us? And I want you guys to know, listen, there is a God who will pass over your sin and the blood. It wasn't the blood of just a lamb of an animal. It was God's only son. He took your sin and shame that God in his grace and mercy could now credit you as righteous. He could pass over your sin. Why? Because Jesus paid the debt for it. He paid the debt. He says, listen, I want you to know I'm going to do for you what you could never, ever do for yourself. I'm going to protect. I'm going to deliver. I'm going to defend. I'm going to spare. I'm going to pass over and I'm going to rescue you. And so he says, listen, here's the response to all of that. Verse six, turn to him. Today, some of you need to turn to him. And again, what's so challenging about all of this? Is it often the moment after we pray and say amen, we wonder why hasn't God acted? And here's what here's what's beautiful again. We're going to close with this and we'll show it to you. This is it. Look what happened in verse 1. This is significant, all right? Again, so you realize you're not the first person to ever walk the road you're walking, right? Woe to those who go. Look what he says here about them. They go down to Egypt. Right? They've abandoned God. They're going to Egypt for help. Listen to what he says in verse 4. I want, to, I want you to leave with this today, this hope, because you're battling unbelief. You're not sure about God in this moment. You're, it's the, the war is so serious. You're, you're struggling. Hear this as you, as you walk out today. Verse 4 of Isaiah 31. For thus the Lord said to me, as a lion or a young lion growls over his prey, and when a band of shepherds is called out against him, he is not terrified by their shouting or dawning at their noise. So the Lord of hosts will, look what it says about God, Come down to fight. He will come down. Don't go down to Egypt. Why? Because God will come down. Some of you are right there in the middle of that war. I'm telling you, you've got to battle it. You've got to hold on. Why? Because the temptation is to go down. You've got to patiently wait, hope, fight, fast, cry out for others, scream, cry, snot, whatever it is, to cling to that old rugged cross and wait for the Lord who will come down and deliver you and provide the peace, the hope, the joy that you desperately want. But listen, 
the people of Judah had to wait and the Assyrians were still marching. Your enemy may keep marching. The bully may keep being bully. You may start giving and guess what? The eviction notices still come. I'm not saying everything will change. I just want you to realize that the God that you worship is worth you holding on to and waiting for. He will come down. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for today. Lord, again, I, you challenged me this morning. Blake, how would you preach in Wisconsin this morning? And Lord, I know that I'm not setting that context in this moment, but I know that there are some here that have faced really, really dark things or they're in the midst of really dark things. So, Father, I pray right now. I know that I, I, I've, I've been strong, hopefully, in you and your word alone. But I know that for some of them in those moments, it's just hard to hear that or even want that. So, Lord, I'm just praying right now you would give them more grace. You would give them more mercy. That you would just pour out your kindness, your love. I mean, really, that, that's all that's in this text. That there's a God who loves despite the fact they'll go to Egypt. He doesn't give up. He still loves them. So, God, please let your love and your grace overwhelm your people today. And I pray they will fight, God, because it is their souls. I pray they will fight today for sons and daughters. I pray they will fight today for grandchildren. I pray they will fight for the children of this community, God. I pray they will fight today and contend for the nations and the souls of people everywhere, God. I pray our people, God, here will not go quietly in the night. Let them fight, God. Give them strength, God. Give them faith. Give them hope, God. Let them know you're there, God. Please, God, you're the only one that can do this. Please, God, I beg it of you. Strength in your people. I pray it in Jesus' great, strong name. Amen. That's the hope, man. That's all I have. Brother Corey, let's, let's, let's go. I got nothing else other than Christ and Him crucified. It's the- this is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.